In our day-to-day lives and in our conversations, we would often hear the terms ladies first, design first, mobile first, security first, head first, feet first, and all the other firsts in the world that you know. But have you ever heard of API first? According to tech blog API Evangelist, API first is a philosophy and way of life that involves beginning every software capability as an API before you even begin to develop any user interface or any other element. He further says that achieving an API first state right now is more of a myth than it is reality, but it is something that companies strive for. Nowadays, organizations are not only consuming APIs, but also publishing them for purposes such as system automation, integration, creating new digital products, or connecting devices in the world of Internet of Things, such as your smartwatch to your car, and your car to your garage doors, and so on. Thus, developing API first becomes a more thoughtful, more customer-orientated approach. Our company, Toro Cloud, also advocates strongly for an API-first methodology towards development, especially when it comes to the adoption and consumption of APIs. But before we delve deep into that, first, our intro. Hello, Internet friends. My name is Kevin Montalbo, and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of Coding Over Cocktails. In this episode, we'll talk about the API-first design approach and its advantages, such as how it helps achieve a more efficient method of software design and how it helps developers quickly and easily understand how your API works and how it integrates with other applications. After listening to this podcast, make sure to visit our website at www.torocloud.com for after-discussion notes and blog posts related to this topic. Joining us today is ToroCloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Hey, David. Good to have you on. Hi, Kevin. Hello. And also with us in this episode is Vivienne Jovet, uh, product architect for Toro Cloud's Martini Desktop and Martini Workspaces. Hello, Vivienne. Good to have you with us today. Hi, Kevin. All right. So first things first, uh, Vivienne, before we talk about the API-first design approach, let's describe the traditional process of software design. How does it typically, how does it typically go? Uh, you've been uh, developing software for how many years now? So you probably have more background on this. So... Can you describe it to us? Yeah, so um, the usual way to, to uh, design, uh, to develop an API is you can have a, like a global goal for the API, like what, what the API does. So for example, if you're doing, a, let's say, a, a API for contacts, so you're going to say, are oh, we going to have contacts? You can add them, uh, remove them, modify them, query them, etc. And uh, so you're going to hand that over as a task to a backend developer and the backend developer is going to start working on it so it's going to start coding it's going to start writing uh, the classes um, it's going to start working on the maybe the, the database schema uh, then it's going to start writing uh, the service layer uh, how does it communicate with the database does the query uh, then it's going to expose that on the server uh, via rest controller um, and then once it's done with that uh, maybe it's going to write some uh, unit tests some integration tests then it's going to pr- present the final output and then um, they're going to do some more tests, maybe by QA. And then if they're not happy with it, uh, they're going to restart that process and then um, uh, do, basically do that until they, they, get, they achieve something that they are, they are uh, satisfied with. Mm-hmm. So this is before uh, the API first design approach, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. So, what were the problems that you were usually encounter? What would you say were the problems that you, you would you would usually encounter when you're following this process? Well, I, I would say that the the main issue is the the length of the iteration process uh, to get to the the perfect um, API that you want because every time you have to do changes, uh, even just small changes, it's it's cascading. Um, until you have a, basically too many too many changes, like you you just want to change a field in the your contact um, model, for example, you're gonna have to update the the database schema. You're gonna have to update update your code, update your request, update your test, etc. So every time you want to do small changes, um, it's involving involving a lot of uh, side effects. The traditional process has its benefits for sure, but it also has some flaws as well. It prolongs the iteration process in making changes with the software, and it takes a lot of time in going through each phase. And for you, David, for someone who heads an organization, how does this affect uh, the productivity of your entire organization? How does not having an API-first design approach affect your productivity? Look, it's a totally uh, different approach to not only API design, but... uh, uh, services design as well. So the uh, transition towards uh, services-orientated architecture and application design has meant that you uh, break down applications into the uh, components, and each component uh, you know, performs a specific function, a service. Uh, and like Vivian was explaining, the traditional way of uh, building those services has been from that application layer up. This turns all of that on its head and instead thinks about the user experience first. Mm-hmm. And when I say the user experience, I'm talking about the user who's going to consume this service. And that user may be a person or it may be another process, another piece of software, another system. All right? mm-hmm. um, but we now th- can think about how does that user want to consume that service first? And you start working on that design philosophy first before you do any implementation of the service. Mm-hmm. You then end up with a contract, a contract that would, between you and the consumer of that service. Uh, and so you're bound by that contract and you both parties agree to how that contract should look, feel and operate. And once you've got that contract, the uh, implementation team can go away and build to their heart's content using any system methodology, programming language, whatever they like, they know so long as they're compliant with the contract, their implementation is entirely up to them and they have the freedom Mm -hmm. to implement it according to their best practice, to their best knowledge, to the best of their ability, to the way, what they're familiar with, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So it uh, it totally uh, reverses the traditional psychology around application development and API development. So it, it, from an organizational perspective, it, uh, it, it's completely different, uh, fundamentally different. And uh, there are obviously, obviously major benefits to, to, to this approach. Okay. So this approach, the API-first design approach, how does it make software design more efficient? What are its advantages? Um, so the, the interesting thing in API-first um, design approach is... Um, you're gonna put a lot of thoughts on um, 
how do you shape your data? So the, the first step would be um, to define your domain models. And that's that sounds easy, but that's actually very important to define it well from the beginning. And then uh, after that, you're gonna be uh, designing how do you interact uh, with the API? So how the user retrieve the data and updates it. And um, during that step, uh, you're going to basically be defining uh, what part of the data you're going to expose, uh, what operations uh, you want, uh, maybe what security you're going to use, um, things like that. And so you're going to be iterating over that, uh, over how your models are. Uh, maybe you will you will add operations, remove some, add some limitation to it, um, etc. And that's that's very efficient because um, that doesn't require any coding. And that, that doesn't need to involve um, a programmer. It can be by uh, can be done by um, product owner and things like that. And it's very efficient because um, everyone can participate uh, to that process, not only the the developer. All right. So um, they I've been reading a lot about this API first, and it's saying that uh, it's prioritizing the API first by making it. Uh, sit, uh, a first-class citizen. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, how does it become that first-class citizen? Any one of you can answer. Uh, I would say that um, the, the, the API itself is, the, is what's going to be used uh, by, your, uh, by your customers, by, by your users. So by making it um, first-class citizen, basically you, you make sure that the, the user experience is going to be great because that's going to be the most the first and most important thing uh, that you're going to design. Because what's the way it is designed uh, behind uh, the API, other than the performance, doesn't really matter uh, to your users. What, what really matters is the API and how, easy, uh, how great is it to, to use. APIs as first-class citizens allow enterprises to build APIs that serve all the applications for which stakeholders have intended for the API. Developers will be better placed to create and maintain applications efficiently for all devices, platforms, and operating systems. So uh, since we're looking at this at an API-first uh, approach, an API as a first-class citizen, what are the characteristics of a good API? All right, so for me, first, an API needs to be intuitive. Uh, meaning that when you're you're looking at the specs of the API, um, it, you can look at an operation and you un uh, you understand instantly. Okay, that that deeper that operation is going to create a, a contact uh, record, um, and there they should be no surprise. Meaning that the operation does what it does. If you are creating a um, contact record with an operation, it should not um, update anything or have side effects. It should it should be um, very intuitive. Uh, the second thing that I think it's important it's to for your API to be familiar, meaning that um, don't try to innovate too much with it. Follow the standards, for example, RESTful standards. So when developers um, are using your API, they're already familiar with the way uh, the way it works and the way it's organized. So it, it makes it easier for for everyone. Um, also, it should be testable. So you, you should provide way to be able to test the API um, in a different stages. Um, uh, other than production, um, as much as possible, uh, it should be stateless. So meaning that if you do request to the API, um, the same request to the API should get you the, the same answer. Mm -hmm. um, you should have good error reporting, meaning that when things went wrong, uh, you should have an easy way to, 
to know why. So it should be should have clear error report with it. Mm -hmm. And the last thing um, that's also very important for people to discover your API is um, that should have really good documentation. So mm -hmm. the entire spec of the API should be um, uh, well documented. All right. So David, now that we know these uh, characteristics of what a good API means or what a good API is, we can probably implement a good API strategy. So how does an API strategy or a good API strategy improve application integration? Well, application integration um, can take many forms. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, these days with the proliferation of RESTful APIs, it, it's often consuming APIs themselves in, in application integration, but often it's not. Uh, often you're integrating uh, data files, which are written to disk, or it might be uh, databases, uh, or it could be uh, content sent through an email. Uh, or, or a different form of transport, FTP, or even chat. So application integration takes many forms. The uh, API um, contract is a nice way to, to uh, facilitate application integration because once you've done an integration, if you can wrap that integration up in an API, then you now have a contract on how to initiate that integration. Mm -hmm. So it becomes reusable and it becomes discoverable and it becomes something which you can embed in other integrations or services or workflows. Mm -hmm. And so whereas an integration itself can become part of a monolithic uh, application design or you know, uh, integration itself or workflow and it can just grow and grow and grow and become a monster in itself if it's let, allowed to, by wrapping it up in an API, you've actually created a service out of that integration. Okay. And that service is isolated. You know how to talk to it. You know what response you're going to get from it. And you can embed it in other integrations. It also means that you can change those other integrations knowing what impact it's going to have on its dependencies because they're all contracts through APIs. Mm -hmm. So that integration itself can change and you know what impact you're going to have on other services consuming it if you change the API. So so long as you don't change the API, then you know you're not going to have any impact on it. But you might change to a different database behind that integration, for example. You migrate from uh, you know, a small database to a large clustered solution, different vendor, you know, different brand. You might have incorporate message queues and the like because your system requirements have grown significantly. Mm -hmm. You can do all of that behind your integration when you've exposed it as an API because you're not changing the API. People interacting with the integration are still doing the same way. Just your implementation of it has changed. Mm -hmm. All right. So we have listeners in this podcast who are, uh, who are all handling the business side of the organization. How does the API-first design approach benefit their enterprise or operations in the long run? How does it benefit the, uh, the organization taking an API-first approach? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it benefits your organization because with an API-first approach, you're going to get stakeholders involved early in the process. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So that is the consumers of the, the API are going to get involved from the outset of the project. So you get them all in a room, literally, mm. around mm. a whiteboard, and you start mocking up the, you know, the requirements of the consumers of these APIs and how they want to interact with it. You know, how, how do they, what sort of request do they want to make from it? What sort of response do they expect from it? Mm-hmm. And those consumers, those stakeholders often have different requirements. Uh, so the consumer who wants to build a, say, for example, a web application of an API may have very different requirements to a mobile developer who mm-hmm. has, you know, can, has to deal with a smaller payload, for example, than a web application. So by getting him in the room and getting him involved in the design process early, uh, it means that uh, you're going to promote the uh, awareness uh, and use of the API. So you, once that API is completed, then first of all, the stakeholders are aware it exists mm-hmm. because they are involved in, in the in the. Now that may not sound may sound overly obvious, but in an organization of tens of thousands of employees with you know offices all around the world, mm-hmm. you may have a great many number of APIs which can be discovered throughout the organization. So by having the stakeholders involved early in the process, at least they know they exist. They understand how it works because they're involved in the design process. And, and the developers would, love that. Yeah. yeah. The developers <laughs> love it because it gives them a contract by which they are bound, that contract we are talking about before. Mm-hmm. So they know that their, their service is going to be used. It's, been, it's going to be used in the way the consumer wants to use it. And they can just go and build it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they consumer of the API will have some form of feeling of ownership as well because they are involved in the design process. So they're much more likely to use something where they feel some level of ownership as, as opposed to something that was imposed on them. Oh, we've mm. created this. Mm. It's going to do wonders for your department or organisation. Here it is. Go and use it. Mm. As opposed to getting them involved early in the process, giving them some uh, stakeholding in the design process and ownership that they're much more, more likely to adopt. Yeah, so I want to hear uh, Vivian's side about this because he's in more of the in the development side. How does it feel if uh, if an organization, or how would you feel personally if an organization would um, prioritize using APIs first and recognizing that hey, APIs are actually important to the operations of our business? So, how do you feel about that? Yeah, so. Um... I agree with David, especially when uh, you have multiple teams working on the same project. Uh, we've experienced uh, this as, at Toro as well. Um, we've done some traditional API uh, development in the past, and uh, most of the time uh, you'd have the backend team doing the API, and then uh, later on, uh, for example, my team would be consuming it, and then we realized that um, uh, it's not quite right. Uh, doesn't do what doesn't do what we want what wanted to do. Uh, doesn't work exactly the way we expected it. Uh, can you uh, update it? So the backend team will update it again and it, it it might be wrong again. And then it's just gonna go on and on and on and we'll spend uh, three sprint on it instead of having do, uh, done it in uh, one meeting, uh, would sit at the table, decide uh, how the API should be, what the model should be, how it should work and get it done, agree on it and then implement it. So it's just um, the, the productivity with API first design is just much better. With APIs as the building blocks of an application, adding services and technologies to applications is now possible without having to re-architect the whole system. This method improves productivity and allows more flexibility as developers can work with different APIs, all at the same time.
So uh, how can developers use the API-first design approach with Toro Cloud's products? So we now have uh, our uh, ecosystem. I think we're, we're about to launch a new one very, very soon. Uh, so David, how can developers take advantage of this API-first design approach with our products? Yeah, well, uh, in fact, uh, Toro Cloud's uh, product suite is entirely API-centric. Um, mm -hmm. Everything we do revolves around APIs. And so uh, from day one, everything we've built has revolved around services exposed as APIs and uh, consuming APIs and uh, publishing APIs. So uh, APIs are obviously, as a company, very important to us. And so the concept of designing APIs first as part of that um, design methodology or application mm -hmm. design or API design methodology uh, was um, uh, very obvious to us, the benefits associated with it. So we incorporated API-first design um, uh, abilities within our product suite, specifically Martini, enables you to uh, design an API, iterate through that design, uh, create those services contracts, apply security, uh, mock responses so that you can, um, stakeholders can uh, play with the API and make sure that it's operating the way they expect. And you can do all of that without writing a single line of code. Mm -hmm. So it's a very visual environment. It's a very, uh, I guess, uh, business user-friendly development environment. We still expect a developer to be doing this kind of stuff, but it's the sign of thing, kind of thing you can iterate through visually and quickly, which is the idea in this kind of process yeah. when you're dealing with stakeholders to be able to iterate over the design quickly. Um, you don't want to be building, for example, you don't want to be building services, for example, to provide responses so that, you know, that, that mobile developer, which is consuming the API, can get a sample data, data set back from it. You don't want to be building services to, 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 feed, to feed that data set. So to be, have a simple way to be able to give them those contact records as some dummy data, something that they can play with is important to be able to do that quickly, easily, and without writing any code. Mm. So uh, we've got some nice tool sets to create uh, APIs visually uh, with no code, uh, a playground for developers to both create it and for consumers to consume the API. So everything you need for API-first design is available within Martini. All right. Uh, thank you very much to my guests for today, David Brown. Thank you very much as always. Vivian, uh, we hope to see you again soon. On the next episode of Cocktails, we'll talk about the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic to businesses, remote working, how companies can transition to the new normal, and digital transformation. Again, please check out our blog on our website at www.toroclaw.com and make sure to subscribe or follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails.